0: Yeah, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond A Figures. Today we're gonna have a lot of fun just diving into the concept of hiring people remotely and then specifically from the Philippines. Because today I have John Jonas, the founder of online PH. First, we're gonna talk a little bit about his cool background story and then get into his own journey. John, from looking at this, you were this developer for all this for some cool companies from diving through your LinkedIn. Doing a little bit of LinkedIn diving. And then, you know, I'm going to make some assumptions, but I think it would be cool. Just like, how did you go from like being a chief technology to like, hey, maybe I should develop a uh, virtual assistant service or however you define, you know, how did that
1: kind of transition here? Yeah, that's definitely not what happened.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: cool. <laughs> Here's what I found I, I graduated from college in early 2004. I had a job for eight months out of school. That was, my only goal during that time was to quit my job. I found out I'm a terrible employee. Like the incentive structure just doesn't work for me. I do really good work, I get paid. I do really bad work, I get paid. It doesn't matter. Right. And then I just hated like having to be at work every day and I got 10 days of vacation off per year and like there was no room to grow. And this sucked. And my wife was at home with my new baby and like he was, she would call me and like, oh, you just missed this cutest thing he did. It's so cool. And I'm sitting at work in this cold office and just stupid, right? I didn't even hate the job. Like I I liked what I was doing. So it took me eight months before I was able to quit that job. I had some things going online. One of them was some of the consulting work that that you mentioned. That was good and it was pretty consistent and that was a good chance to quit. I had something working making me a little bit of money online, a little bit on my own. And um, then I had another consulting gig that was gonna last like two months. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is the time. And in talking about entrepreneurship, I feel like I should, I, should talk, I should venture away from that a little bit and just tell you my situation at the time because I think it's really, really important. I see so many people that just get strapped and they lose their options in running their business or in pivoting because of debt. So at the time we had no debt. And well, I mean, really, we've never had any debt since then. We didn't have a car payment. We owned our car, which was a cheap, crappy 1992 Toyota Tercel. We didn't have any credit card debt. We had a mortgage, but our mortgage payment was $750 a month. I mean, you know, this is 2004. And we had finished the basement in the house and we're renting it out for $550. You know, so like our monthly pay, our monthly liabilities were like $400 a month. You know, like something super, super small. So I was free to do whatever I wanted to do. Fire, yeah, you were doing the fire early. Yeah, right. I mean, we kept everything super, super low. And so there was nothing tying me to not taking a really big risk, right? And and I think that's important in entrepreneurship. Like debt is just so strapping, like it just ties you and forces you out of options. So I quit my job, I quit the nine to five, to work 24 right? seven, Because that's what <laughs> we do as entrepreneurs, right? Like we work of our And I had no idea because I was like, oh, I'm gonna do it differently. I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not gonna work that much. I'm an idiot, you know? But things started working for me. Like I was making a little bit of money online and the two things that I had, the other two consulting things had worked and we had some savings and online stuff was starting to do well for me. But I knew I can't keep this up. So I started hiring people to help me. And I hired local people and it was a disaster because as soon as they realized, oh, you're making money online? Like, this is 2004. Like, nobody makes money online. Oh, you're making money online? Well, I can do that too. That's correct. So, and I tried that four times and all four of them quit really quickly. And then I hired people in India and I won't get into it. It was just a mess. And then I hired people on Upwork and I was like, actually, I didn't even hire on Upwork. It wasn't Upwork at the time. This was, this was Elance. Oh, before- Okay. okay. Elance and Odesk.
0: Yeah, I remember that, O-desk merged. And O-desk
1: that merged. merged. Yeah. This is this is before this is like Odesk was just started, old, like- old school. Yeah. Yeah. Old, old. <laughs> but it's the same concept, right? Like you hire a contract worker, they do some work, they you pay them hourly, whatever. So I hired this guy. And he writes a bunch of articles for me because I despise writing. And he writes these articles. And I was like, oh, yes, I figured this out. Now I can get the help that I need. This is so sweet. And he sends me these articles and like super excitement. And like 10 minutes later, this burden just fell on me. I have to do something with these articles now. Like his, his job is to write and that's it. Like I, I paid him, now he's off getting another job because that's how Upwork works. That's how Elance works. That's how, yeah. that's how all these sites work. Their incentive structure is built so that you get a job, you finish that job, you get a review, you get paid so that you can move on and get a higher paying job and get another review and move on and get another higher paying job, right? It's like guaranteed turnover. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like I thought, oh, this is awesome, I figured this out, right? I just get this burden of like, oh man, now I have to do something with all these articles, and I hate doing this crap, and, and I just failed again. I was ready to give up with like getting help for my business, it, it just had to be me, which is like the worst feeling. And then a couple months later, I had this conversation with, with someone who's way farther along than me, <laughs> and they said, you know when you're ready to start outsourcing some of this stuff, make sure you go to the Philippines with it. Huh, what, really? He was like yeah because when when you hire someone in India and they say yes that means yes i heard something come out of your mouth not yes i understood what you said and and i was like really like what you know and it kind of gave me hope to where maybe something could be different than what i've experienced so far cuz all i've had is failure And he gave me a reference where I could hire someone. And I didn't because the reference was someone full-time. Like I'd hire someone full-time and I didn't want to hire someone full-time. I didn't think I could keep someone busy full-time. I didn't think, I didn't know if they could actually do good work. I didn't know if I could afford it. And it just, it just wasn't super appealing to me. And then one day I was like, this doesn't matter. I can't, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I can't do this forever. So I took the leap and I hired this guy out of the Philippines through this agency. I paid them $750 a month. They paid him $250. I didn't know that at the time. I mean, I just knew I'm paying them 750 they didn't. They didn't say anything. It took me, I don't know, probably six months before I realized, oh, he told me he's making $250 a month for full-time work. right? But it was the most liberating experience of my life. Hiring this guy whose full-time job was to do anything I asked him to do. And he was willing and competent. And he spoke English. And we never had a communication problem. And he wasn't particularly talented at anything, but anything I taught him to do, he was he was on it. It was super awesome. So I hire another person and another person. And finally I, I go back to the agency and like, I want to hire someone. And they're like, well, do you want a content writer? No, do you want a webmaster or a programmer? No, I, I want a content writer. Well, do you want a webmaster or a programmer? Yeah, that's all we do. Are you serious? I'll take a webmaster. And they pull someone off the street and like, here's your webmaster. Like dude, this guy, not what? No. And that was <laughs> that was so the starting disappeared. Point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Remember it was everywhere? Webmaster? Yeah, webmaster, webmaster. I realized I haven't heard that in years. But okay, but it doesn't I make sense. Yeah, I apologize for interrupting. And it was like, wow. No, no, <laughs> you're
1: right. I mean, the word webmaster doesn't even make sense. So, so that was like an inflection point for me where I want to find someone on my own. I want to recruit someone who I want. Like I want to find someone who's talented and good and competent, not someone they, this agency just pulls off the street because, and I found out, I realized later, like their incentive isn't to go out and find someone competent and good because most of the problems that they have with workers are, it's the employers that's the problem. Not the worker. So the incentive isn't find a great worker because then the employer is the problem and you wasted a bunch of time, right? So I was like, I think I could build a job board where I can get maybe a couple hundred profiles into it. I'm not super visionary. Like I can maybe get a couple hundred profiles into this job board so that I could recruit someone myself. So I went back to the agency was like, I want a programmer. And so they hired me a programmer and we built onlinejobs.ph. I don't know if later that put the agency out of business. I never, I never followed up with them. But but we got a couple hundred profiles like the first month that we launched it. I never imagined that it would grow. Like today, it's over 2 million profiles of fielding workers. It grows like crazy. And, you know, like, over half a million employers around the world have used it to hire people in the Philippines. Yeah, I, I have no I have no clue.
0: Over the years, I've seen online jobs at PH listed everything from sort of the four-hour work week wannabe discussions to like a McKinsey breakdown. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you've kind of you've created something that spans quite a large swarth of sort of the business world here. That's pretty impressive. How do you see where you are as an entrepreneur now?
1: So I hired my first person in the Philippines in 2005. So Mm -hmm. it's been a long time, which by the way, that person still works for me today, FYI. The Philippines has this like crazy, crazy loyalty thing. So I've been through a lot of stages of the business. Like I remember being super, super excited with my wife when I had a website that made me $20 in a day. Like, that was so amazing. And then I remember it made $50 in a day. And then I remember dancing around the house when it made $500 in a day. I remember dancing. I was young and... And things were working and it was amazing and it was pretty automated. I mean, obviously, there was still a lot of work to do to where now, like, we just hired a couple of different developers last week to join our development team. And uh, we hired another designer editor. It's like our third person. So, you know, now we're past the eight figure revenue mark last year. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. It wasn't really like anything, you know, like it's just another day of business. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Know, isn't it seven figures report? a year in revenue to eight figures a year in revenue isn't like anything, you know, <laughs> there's no, there's no accomplishment. No, it's the same stuff. It's the same <laughs> it's thing, stuff. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I have a mature team behind me and I have a good, like, integrator in my business and which that's my business partner. He's in the U.S. He's the only other U.S. person we have. So as an entrepreneur, like I'm pretty far along, you know, like I'm quit my job in 2004, now, the
0: ability to kind of grow something and be able to transition because you were rubbing two sticks together, you know, and kind of going through that lovely, like, uh, this doesn't work. Uh, this doesn't work. And then all of a sudden something did work for you. But the reality is to go from that job board to now eight figures, the types of capabilities you've had to develop. And you know, when did you bring on your, you know, your integrator partner? About how long ago?
1: So he was really, really early on. I think late 2004, maybe early 2005 even. We'd gone to college together, and he had stayed to get a master's degree. So we, uh, we've been together for a really long time. And our and our roles naturally separate. We were so lucky. I mean, like as the visionary, he instantly started taking over things for me. Like I would create and he would run. Just so, so great, which I think is so, so important. For most entrepreneurs, where you you see yourself as a visionary, but you have to do everything, right? And I had someone that I could hand stuff off to, and he was reliable and amazing. And and and, and that's a really big deal. It's funny just to go a little aside, that concept
0: of re- uh, visionary integrator gets so ongoing, ongoing discussion. Oh, everyone wants it integrator. The reality is I think most people want someone to do the work and then like, oh yeah, I kind of point them towards the direction. It's like a really good visionary is that constant in my mind. And I would love to kind of your opinion of this of like, you're constantly looking at what is possible, what's going on, what could be done, how to look at it, and then dealing with the unusual problems that always come up. You know, not the the straightforward problems because those are twenty four seven. Well, the integrator is that person who's just resource allocating, resource and efficiency and all that. So it's like, there's those two super heavy types of work, but yeah, the visionary
1: can do it anywhere in my mind. How do you see that? Here's how I have defined this for myself and what I see. What pre- this is what I see prevents people from succeeding or from growing past that sticking point. You grow your business to a certain point and it just stops or you feel stuck, right? So as the visionary, I feel like my job is to think. Like my job is, is not to dream. My job isn't to dream. My job is to find that really, really difficult thing that I don't want to deal with and think through the problem that's the hardest work we do in my experience in this life the hardest work we do is think through a really difficult thing and work through the solution and come up with the solution and think through putting all of these things together that you the things that you don't want to think through that's your job you have to push on that thing and if you're not willing to, well, yeah, that's where the business gets stuck. Or that's how you you, you don't succeed because you're not willing to think. That manifests itself in, in small daily problems. It manifests itself in what, where are we getting stuck in the whole business problem. It manifests itself in marketing and sales problems. Y- you have to solve the problem. And then someone else should do the work, but it's on you
0: to solve the problem. No, I saw once and it always stuck with me, this founder who had moved to sort of the chairman role, said, yeah, you know, he jokingly called it, he was chief strange problem solver. Everything that was like the deep stuff that everyone else didn't want to touch. That's what he focused on. And it just kind of stuck in me. So I like, yeah, that concept. It's a lot of work because there's no structure, I think, to it. And I think, That's where a lot of people miss this is that we look at and we try and, oh, yeah, yeah, someone else would take it. It's like, you you can't have someone else do something until you've actually defined what it is and you can fill it out. They can fill it out, but you have to define it. All right. So as you guys have grown on, what has helped you move more into that ability to
1: improve your entrepreneurial capabilities? I will say finding the workforce was knowing that I could always hire a talented person to do the thing that I need done for for almost any role. That's a really, really big step. That's a big, big deal to say, okay, I need some copywriting done. I know how I can get that done. I need a front-end React Native developer, right? Like not I, need a, not, a, not, I need a webmaster, you know, something silly. Because these are the things where people get stuck. Like, oh, I have a friend who knows how to do this thing. Let me see. Oh, he's too big. Oh, I'm just stuck, right? So I think having the knowledge of, I can find anybody I want really easily is really freeing towards like, oh, we want to do this thing. Okay, I can hire someone to do that. that that's reasonable. Let's talk about that because that's that lovely,
0: like who, not how type of process where, oh, you got to work on that. We're going to, you seem to have, like unlock that early in your journey. It's almost like a hack, you, know, you kind of hacked into it. But like, how have you seen your usage of that change from 2005 to now, you know, running an eight figure? Do you sort of just go, so yeah, let me go think and then pop it in? Or has it evolved
1: how do you start thinking about the type of people, the resources, has it changed for you? So it is evolving. It's still evolving there's a couple of different things. So this is part of my entrepreneurial journey. One of the things that I look at is there's this option for this business that we have. If we do this, who has to do this? Like who do the customers want? Do they want me or do they not care who they get? Because if they want me, I don't wanna do it. I'm not interested. It's an agency. It's an agency, I, I don't, I'm not interested. Is there any sort of selling time for money here, I'm not interested. If there's any time being sold in exchange for your money, I'm not interested, we won't do it. And so that's in terms of like people, if someone else can do the work and it's not me at all, completely uninvolved, I might pursue whatever opportunity there is. I mean, I get people every day that are like, dude, you have all these resources, you could sell SEO services and AdWords services and social media marketing services, no. No, absolutely not. I will not do that because one, that's selling time for money. Two, every customer then wants me. They want the one who knows everything, not the worker. Those are two pretty important things in what I've done. And then I don't spend that extra time working more, which is different, I think, than most entrepreneurs. I've worked like 17 hours a week for the last 12 years, and I won't put that time back into the business, the extra time. I won't do it. That's a cool thing because the 17
0: hours, that's a very specific number, A. B, is it structured? Do you have it or is it just sort of like, all right, I get to 17 here I'm done. How does that happen?
1: What does it look like? What it looks like is I prioritize time with my wife and my kids and then work comes second. So... Like I get up in the morning and I do my kids' lunch. I say my prayers, I read my scriptures, I do yoga. I get my second wave of kids to school with their lunches. Uh, My wife makes their breakfast. And then I I work some. And I work until I have another commitment, which right now that means skiing. I have a commitment Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 o'clock. I have to go ski.
0: You're in Utah, right?
1: I'm in Utah. Salt Lake area, Provo. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it. Oh beautiful. my gosh. It's unbelievable. And then today, so like we're recording this on Tuesday. My, my oldest daughter's out of school today. And yeah, you so, we were joking before the thing. Yeah, Right. So like as soon as this podcast is done, I have to go skiing. So that means Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday, I have to ski this week, right? So I fit working in between. So like, I'll work until 11 a.m. today. And I worked until 10.30 yesterday. You know, so this week I I won't get 17 hours. What I found is 17 is probably a pretty good number. Actually, the last couple of years, it's been more like, I don't know, 12, 14. That's what I find I get in. And then the important part of that is I don't do any work in that time. I don't touch WordPress. I don't do customer support. I don't edit something. I I don't do any of it. it. No, the only thing I will do is think, and give feedback and create training and make assignments. So my time at the computer is very, very, very efficient. Okay, uh, there's no Facebook. Ridiculous. Yeah, there's no YouTube. I haven't seen the latest YouTube video. Nope, I haven't heard about the news, whatever it is. No, I don't scroll. I don't scroll Facebook ever. I don't have it on my phone. I don't have Instagram on my phone. I don't. And so my time is very, very efficient and focused so that, so that I can spend it doing what I want. Do you plan it out? It sounds like you have Blocks
0: of time that you go, oh, I'm going to have these blocks of time throughout the week. Here are the things I want to do with those blocks. Do you use like, you
1: know, there's so many different like Pomodoro or whatever. You just sort of just say, I'm going to do this with this free time. Okay. So I really have like three things that I need to do during the week. One is I need to make sure my people are taken care of right? So anybody who is working on stuff that I'm in charge of, I need to make sure they're taken care of. Two, I need to get through most of my email. I need, I mean, need, uh, really, I mean, we feel like it's a need, but it's not, right? But the most important thing that I need to do is I need to create content. Because what I have found is creating content drives business. And so For me, when I sit down every week, I know I need to write and schedule newsletters, three per week. I need to record podcasts, which also get recorded as videos. And then if I can create something else, awesome, right? So I will prioritize, okay, well, here's my time. I'm gonna sit down. Okay, I have an hour right now. Sweet, that's enough time for me to create my three newsletters for the week. And I'm gonna ignore email. I'm gonna ignore it today, right? And the next time I have... Okay, I have four hours today, so let's get the most important things done. I have to prioritize those things over the easy things because the easy things are answering email. You know, like that. It's like brainless. You know, It takes time. It's just brainless. And so it's so super easy to fall back on that. Like, oh, I'm so busy because I have to, I have to done answer less. these. You know, like that's not what moves my business forward, so why do I focus on that? So I try really hard and it, it's all it's always a struggle to do the most important things first and then come back to the the stuff that demands your time but is not urgent. So I know this is something I've gone back and forth and I've followed Eisenhower Gazillion, and
0: to me, it doesn't matter process it's just the consistency of doing so but the moment you've stopped doing it, it it's like what i it's like doing hot yoga you do it day in day out for like a period and you feel amazing but the one day you skip you're like i'm never doing it again so like you know it sucks <laughs> so what do you use to kind of continuously bring to bear what is that most important thing for you, you and your business i don't have that it's what i do Okay. I know I have difficulties sometimes not so much the email phone, but yeah, sometimes that, that same thing of like, oh, I felt busy. And then in hindsight, I'm like, yeah. So yeah, I do try and consistently utilize different, you know, resources. You, know, you had mentioned traction earlier with the vision, you know, different frameworks and if I stick to it, it works, but I find sometimes it's easy to fall off of the process, the process itself, as long as it gets you a little further. That's all that matters. Well, you've built this up. For entrepreneurs listening here, a lot of us have gotten to the point where, as I jokingly said, we're past the stage of rubbing sticks together. When and how should an entrepreneur start looking at bringing on resources from the Philippines or just virtual resources? But we'll stick with online. Just the PH right here.
1: Okay. So I have a super simple answer for that. As soon as you have something in your business that you know how to do, that you feel like you could teach someone else to do, hire someone else to do it. Get that thing off of your plate. And this will be controversial, but the worst advice that I hear given, and I hear it repeated over and over again on the internet and by like really big name people, stick with what you're good at and outsource the rest. It's like the worst advice I've ever heard. I'm a programmer, so I'm like really good at programming. Should I stick with programming and outsource the rest? No, I can't run a company as a programmer, you know? Oh, you're really good at social media? Oh, congratulations. You are now qualified to make $80,000 a year, period. End of story. Don't stick with social media. You need to be the CEO. So you're ready to hire someone when you feel like you could teach someone to do something that you know how to do and get something off of your plate. And you can hire someone who's really, really talented. You know, like you could hire a really talented social media marketer or a really talented programmer or a really talented content writer or whatever it is. You could hire a really talented person and then give them your way of doing it. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's some data entry that you're doing, super simple. And you could obviously teach someone how to do that thing. Get that thing off of your plate. And all of a sudden, the world starts to open up to, oh, wow, if I could outsource that thing and it's costing me $4 an hour, well, I could get rid of this other thing too. And what I found for myself and what I've seen over and over again is when you get something off of your plate, you get way, way better at the more important things in your business. So you like get better at, at maintaining big relationships with clients, if that's what you're doing, or you get, really, you get really good at making sales because your brain is allowed to then focus on what actually matters and not have all these little distraction things that are going on in your business that are taking your brain power. You don't realize they're taking your brain power. You just know they're taking your time. But They're taking your brain power away from focusing on the more important, the bigger things. When you get rid of those little things, all of a sudden that focus becomes so clear and it just works. All right. So start thinking of those pieces and jump on
0: onto onlinejobs.ph. Now you've passed the eight figure mark. As someone who used to live in Europe and treated the Alps as sort of like my spiritual home. <laughs> Anyway, Zermatt's my favorite, but yeah, pretty much anywhere in the Alps to me, but the Rockies are amazing. Definitely around Salt Lake, you guys have some sweet, sweet, sweet snow. You've had success. You've built up. You've come on this great journey. How are you defining success into the future as an entrepreneur? You've put your family, you've put the things that are close to you, most important, but
1: how are you going to go in expand what success is for you? So I have two really simple definitions of success. And one of them comes from a quote, which has been a driving force in my life with everything that I've done. That quote is no other success in life compensates for failure in the home. So it doesn't matter what I do. If I'm failing at home, it's not worth it. And so that's a really big driving force for me. And to me, that means time. Like kids just want time. They don't care about quality time. They just want time. So I give them time. And then the second piece of of success for me is progress. If progress is being made, that's success. It doesn't have to be big progress. It doesn't have to be fast progress. It could be slow progress. Sometimes it's big jumps. Usually though, it's just little incremental things. If there's progress being made, that's what breeds happiness and success to me. So I started reading The Gap and the Gain. He defines how most entrepreneurs are unhappy with their lives because they're always living in the gap. Like, oh, yes. oh we've, we've done this, but we could have done this, or we should have gotten here, or we should have made this much money. And instead of looking like, dude, we were here and we got to here, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. That's you. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I've been there a lot. Yep. So I'm not. And to me, I don't know that I live in the gain, but... I live with, did I make progress? And I find like when I don't make progress, when I ski too much and then just answer emails and pretend like I'm keeping up, then I realize I'm not making progress and that's not okay. And I have to make a shift. Like I I have to say, no, I have to create content because content is what drives things that makes progress.
0: But it sounds also the flip is, I'm going to assume, if you don't ski enough, it's the same thing all of a sudden John's an unhappy boy. And therefore what you create is not also what I found in interviewing cool entrepreneurs like yourself is this inherent tension that you constantly have to balance and rebalance and practice that shifting back and forth. Sometimes from necessity, got to do the work. You got to pay the bills. You got to do the work. But then as we get past that Basic level, it is that constant learning to walk the tight rope of like not too hard, not too soft. It seems you inherently develop that focus early without getting us into too huge of a divergence. Why do you think you had that balance from early on?
1: I think it's because I'm very much driven by freedom, not necessarily by what the world defines as success. Yeah, not the
0: car, I'm, the blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. I'm very much driven by time freedom, money freedom, responsibility freedom. So I think that forced me to say, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm going to spend this time with my kids because that's free. That's not business slavery, you know? Yeah. You talked earlier. You had
0: this one job right out of school that was like typical American. I am very much an American. and very, very proud. But sometimes when you go live abroad, you're like, wait, how is life? How do you live? <laughs> that, Two weeks of vacation that like most of the grindstone and you're just like, where's myself within this? And I got lucky, started the business almost right out of school. And then when I sold it to a company that went bankrupt, which was great, I had such a series of crappy jobs because I just didn't understand and I hated working. My whole thing after that period was like, I am never going to work for someone else again. That was like the main driver. <laughs> it wasn't entrepreneurship. It was literally like, how the hell can I do this? Am I going to be door-to-door salesman? It didn't matter. It was just this entrepreneurism. I liked that you had that kind of pain, but you seem to have. Incorporated sort of value from it pretty early, which I think some of us and myself has taken longer to and learn that, oh, wait, there's more to it than just the avoidance of the work or the bad structure. There's more to it. Well, how else can people find out more about you, learn more about how they can start getting people to help them grow?
1: Okay, so I'm going to give three things here. Number one, ofstasks.com. You can get a white paper that we did that has like hundreds of tasks. I call them OFS, Online Filipino Specialists. I don't call them VAs. I don't like the word VA because people assume it's a secretary. This is an untalented person that can only do data entry. And that's not who I hire. And that's not who you want to hire. So at OFSTasks.com, you'll find answers from like 60 different entrepreneurs in any industry saying, here's what they do for me and my business. It'll give you a really, really interesting perspective of, wow, this is what they could do for me and my, oh no, my business is different. No, I I have like laws and regulations. Sorry, dude, your business isn't different. I know that you have laws and regulations, but there's a lot of people in your industry that are hiring OFS to work for them. And you'll find those at OFSTasks.com. That's number one. Number two, OFSguide.com will answer the top nine questions that I get asked. And most people, they're like, oh, I need a phone call with you. I don't do phone calls. And I send them to OFSguide.com and they don't come back for a phone call because... They realize, oh yeah, I can do this. This is pretty reasonable. And the third thing would be onevaoa.com, which is my step-by-step system for hiring a great person out of onlinejobs.ph super quickly, easily. onevaoa.com is the seven step so good that I guarantee you will hire someone great or I'll give you your money back, no questions asked. It's $99. So those are the three things ofstasks.com is free, ofsguide.com is free, onevaoa.com is $99. It won't teach you, it'll just walk you through hiring someone great. It should take you less than two to three hours total, like watch the videos, do the steps, interview, hire. It should have taken you less than two to three hours total to have someone amazing working for you. All right. I'll make sure we have those into the show notes, the email, and then
0: social for everyone listening. We'll have that there for everyone to find and go check out. John's material I've been diving through and just quickly because I know you need to be out skiing soon I've seen definitely in the past year change besides yourself there has been for years more than a few different online sort of job posting for international etc I've actually been in what I think is a complete copy of the jobrack.eu I know the current owner and he's changed a bit but I think it literally was like oh let's take onlinejobs.ph and make it for eastern europeans I think that was literally what he had said in some group's mastermind. I heard the story one time, and I was like, okay. But I've seen a lot of people use that term VA, yet now with globalized talent. I hate to say this, the American tax structure and employment, it really does benefit, especially for back office roles and more and more front as we go more digital, kind of as a tax advantage to go global. Because I noticed, On your site, there is still that hire the VA, hire this. But I do think the conversation, at least for the people who are more advanced into globalizing their talent, it's changed the
1: discussion of how they look at the roles that are possible. Yeah, I mean, it's fine to hire a VA. But in the end, I mean, we use the word VA to mean anything. And I I think it's silly. You want to hire a really talented back-end PHP programmer. You want to hire a really good sales copywriter, not a VA, not a data entry person. And the data entry person's great. And we see it more and more. I know someone who hired an investment banking analyst out of the Philippines. He said, this guy is a $250,000 a year person. I'm paying him $1,500 a month. Or someone who hired an accounting auditor. And he was like, dude, this guy's amazing. He's so dang good at this. And like all along the whole thing, like, oh, I need a CAD designer sweet. I just hired this amazing person. I hired this guy who worked for IBM in this really high role. And now he's working for me, you know, because IBM was in the Philippines and paying Philippine rates, like low rates, whatever. And I can pay him $1,500 a month for full-time work. And he's working for me.
0: Yep. I'm hearing that more and more after.
1: And more and more people are turning to it. And, And I hear more and more people that are like, my company wants to hire people to help our major employees. Right. So, like, this is trickling into corporate. We've really kind of ignored the corporate world, but then we find like Google and Uber making job posts on online jobs. (laughs) And it's really across the board.
0: Well, that means there is more opportunity for you to wear your visionary hat and try and figure out where that next stage is. Because I definitely think that's going to be a larger and larger component of like talent is always. The hardest part of any business finding the right talent and when you can gain access to talent at a competitive advantage but more importantly diversified it just is amazing to add to any type of business so what you're doing and how you've grown it i just can't wait to see more so john thank you so much for giving us some time this morning and i hope you have some great skiing today i'm sure that i will <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks, I thanks so much for having me it's
1: been good <laughs> it's,
0: yeah. Skiing is like surfing. Any day on the slopes, it doesn't matter how bad. It's still a day on the slopes. It's still always great. All right. Thank, Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. This episode of Beyond A Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.